Welcome to the Food Freedom Habit Podcast, where you can find freedom from food crazies using nothing but your own brain. With me, Lydia, the Lifestyle Coach. Would you like permanent food and body peace without tracking one trigger or calorie? Whether you're dealing with overeating, binge eating, bulimia, food obsession, body hate, or the endless diet cycle, we do all this without delving into past trauma, starting yet another food plan, or monitoring every meal. Live a free life aligned with your health and values. If you're ready for something real, you're in the right place. All episodes are 100% free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast. Hi guys, this is Lydia, the Lifestyle Coach, where we are ending eating disorders using nothing but your brain, and we are talking about binge eating and bulimia, and we are talking about overeating and food obsession and body hate and body obsession, um, and we are talking about ending all of those things using nothing but your brain. And we're going to do something fun today. Um, I We did this before with another article, and you guys just had a really incredible response. I love to hear all of your comments about how helpful that was and um, just how um, and insightful, eye-opening, like we just got some really wonderful feedback. So we wanted to do that again for you guys today. Um, And we're going to review another article. So there is a Huffington Post article that came out recently that is entitled 10 Signs You Have a Bad Relationship with Food and How to Fix It. And so you guys can, of course, check out the original article. It's um, Huffington Post and that's the title. And what we're going to do is we're going to review that article about what they got right, what they got wrong, what was useful, what wasn't, um, what was important about it. And then we're going to dive into that. And it's just, it's got some good content. So I'm excited to review it with you guys. So, all right, so let's dive in. We're going to dive into all 10 of these things and the how to fix it part and talking about where they were on track and off track um, from, I mean, what we know about what actually gets people free. And it's fun to dive into this in this way. So with these 10 signs, you have a bad relationship with food. Um, They did a really good job with accuracy with signs you have a disordered relationship with food or a bad relationship with food. A lot of times people get this off. A lot of times people connect it to things that have nothing to do with food or just sort of this very like the conventional wisdom, but the very like doesn't work old fashioned idea of like, oh, it's not about food. It's about something else. And so what they did was they did an excellent job of talking about real things that have to do with food. And I agree with all 10 of these. I mean, this is not all 10 of them in general. I mean, there are like literally hundreds and hundreds of, you know, things you can point to to be like, oh, wow, like this is really an indicator that I have a disordered or a bad relationship with food. But of the 10 that they did capture, it was awesome. They were a bit off about how to fix it. And it seems like with the article, they had a good awareness of the actual problem, but not a super solid awareness of how to fix it or why it happens or what to do. And we'll dive a little bit into that after this, but let's go ahead and go through the 10 signs. So number one, you focus on clean eating and they put that in quotes and they make a really good point here about how it's not anything, clean eating is not anything based off of science. Like it's literally just morality around food. And like on, on a side note there, morality around food really is a big indicator of a disordered relationship with food. So they were um, on track with that it is very wrapped with food morality. So you give a great example of like somebody won't eat a Kit Kat because it's like, oh, sugar, but they will eat like a branded, clean eating, organic cocoa, you know, whatever protein bar that has like 
just as much or like twice as much sugar. And so it's not about the sugar, obviously. It's about the, the branding, the morality, the idea of this is an okay food to eat and this is not an okay food to eat. So that one was on track with like the, you focus like a lot on clean eating. That is a good indicator to see like, oh, okay, like this is what's happening. Another really great thing they did in this article was they brought awareness to the fact we live in a society that praises and uplifts and cheers on disordered eating behavior. That people say, oh, you have so much self-control, or wow, you're such a clean eater, or wow, you're so healthy, when somebody is just really clearly has an eating disorder, disordered eating, horrible relationship with food, but we actually praise that because we have a morality around, like eating disorders are supported by our society. It's like whatever it takes to be thin, whatever it takes to try to manipulate your body, um, whatever you're doing behind closed doors, keep doing that even if it could kill you because you look so aligned with the beauty standard. So they did a good job of really bringing to light that we live in a society where eating disordered behaviors um, are, are praised and even moralized in the positive by people. And that is a very important message. So number two, you avoid all the foods that you actually want when you go out to eat. Yes, also on track. And I would also add to that with the extremes, right? So either you're going out to eat. So for example, from my own experience, like at home, I would eat like a huge bowl of lettuce and I would put some lemon juice on it and some sour cream and some mustard and then eat it because it was like a way that I could eat food and also feel like I wasn't eating any calories. And of course it was disgusting, but at the time I was like, oh, this is so delicious and I love it because I'm such a healthy eater because you know, I was in the fog of my eating disorder. Then I would go out to a restaurant and I would do the same thing. I would go out to a restaurant, I would order a salad and I would say, dressing on the side. In fact, bring me like a side of like mustard and make sure that there's no dressing, no oil. Oh, take off the carrots. They're too starchy. Take off the onions. They're too starchy. Take off the cranberries. They've got sugar. So they essentially, I would go out a special occasion to eat, have a fun outing with the family at a restaurant. And I would recreate the very same disgusting eating disordered meal that I was having at home. So Yes, I think they were very spot on with that about how you avoid all the foods you actually want when you go out to eat. But then I was talking about the extremes, right? So either you are going out and you're at a restaurant and you're not even looking at anything else except the salads and then you're trying to make it just aligned with whatever your clean eating or your diet or your, you know, eating disordered, you know, narrow list of foods is, or it goes to the other extreme. So it's, I'm going to eat all salad at home, but now that I'm at a restaurant, I'm going to let myself have something. And then you don't even look at the salads. You go right to like the least healthy thing. I'm going to have the burger with the double patty and put extra bacon on it. And I'm going to have a milkshake on the side. I'm going to have the fries. Can I upgrade that to like even a larger fry? Like you get the most opposite of how you've been eating meal because that is the cycle, right? Of the binge and restrict. So they did note well that yes, that can be something where you avoid what you want going out to eat um, or something that's not on your plan. But then I wanted to also add to that that it goes to the other extreme as well. And both of those are signs of disordered eating. All right, 
Number three, you refuse to eat food outside of your home altogether. Yes, that is definitely something that can happen with this pattern of disordered eating. A lot of times that comes from not being able to have control over it. Like when you are tracking every single calorie, when you are measuring and weighing your food, when you are putting your lettuce on a food scale to make sure you're not eating too many lettuce calories, been there. Going outside of your home feels really scary because it's like they're going to serve me food and I don't know what's in it. Who knows what it's and not even like a, you know, gross germs way, but in like a, there might be extra calories on it that I don't know about. Or, you know, I can't scan the label of their jar of whatever that they're putting on the salad, or there's no way for me to input this into the app. And so then there's a big variance, right? in what calories can be going out to eat. So there's a bunch of things that become blocks of being able to even eat outside of your house because you don't have as much control with that and or you feel this fear about what am I going to do, right? Like you don't trust yourself. So it's like, whoa, if I'm out at a restaurant, I can just order whatever. Um, I don't trust myself. Like I, I can only trust and control myself in this small environment. So those are some other things that can happen. But they were, they were on with that you, um, you're not, you refuse to eat food outside of home altogether. If that's happening, then yes, definitely a sign um, that you have an unhealthy relationship with food. Okay, number four, you stress about eating something that is not part of your plan. Absolutely. So they were on with this as well. A lot of times it's a big feeling of anxiety, like you've done something really wrong, like you've done something bad and wrong and immoral, you've cheated, you've been dishonest, you're out of integrity, like you told yourself you'd be in that plan. So there's like the, the morality and feeling like you've done something wrong, and then there's the the physical, which is still a psychological thing, but like the fear of something physically happening, like most often, what if this makes me gain weight, right? It's like, what did I do? What did I eat? That's off of my plan. I'm going to be thrown out of my perfect balance of exactly what I needed to eat or balancing, you know, my macros or having just the right carb amount or we start treating our bodies like they're this really, really delicate, fragile science of like, if we make one step wrong, then we're gonna gain 100 pounds and it's going to just be horrible and throw everything off. So having something that is not part of your plan, absolutely, like they were spot on with that number four of it does create a lot of anxiety for multiple different ways, <laughs> multiple different reasons. Okay, number five, you're strict about portion control. So yes, it, it goes along with the same, I have to do things in this exact way or else. And because, and this is, this is me talking, right? This is not what the article was saying, but I'm adding, stacking on that, is because restrictive dieting teaches your body to gain weight. Restrictive dieting teaches your body to have cravings, teaches your body to gain weight, pushes up your set point weight, slows your metabolism. Like, Restrictive dieting is one of the most effective ways to permanently gain weight. So because restrictive dieting teaches your body to do this, and because people go on restrictive diets to try to do the opposite, to actually lose weight, which of course is insanity to do something that gets you the exact opposite result, but some people don't know that that's what's happening, or they do, and they still feel this compulsion to go back and continue to diet restrictively, then it does create this feeling that everything is very fragile. 
because it's like the harder that I work, the more that I diet, the more weight that I gain. So everything must just be very precarious. Like I can't make a wrong move because if I'm making all the right moves and I'm gaining weight, imagine what would happen if I made the wrong moves. So there is like a, there is a fear, but then there's also all of this evidence to back it up because of our behaviors. It creates this false idea that everything is really delicate and that if we take one step sideways, then everything is going to come crashing down. So they talk about the like and how to fix it, right? And like we were saying, some of this is, some of this is on, some of this is, I'll say this, some of this is accurate, but a lot of the and how to fix it isn't helpful. So for instance, <laughs> in uh, number five, like you're strict about portion control, I'm gonna do a, a quote from the article here. It says, instead of putting arbitrary limits on the amount of food you eat at a given meal or snack, just eat until you're satisfied. That might take a while to figure out if you're not used to doing it, but you'll get the hang of it. <laughs> okay, so let's look at this. This um, seems like it was definitely written by somebody who hasn't had their own experience with disordered eating. It's like, n not to simplify it too much, but like, duh, right? One really painful part of having a disordered relationship with food is that you know better. You know you should be more flexible. You know you shouldn't be afraid. You know that you can eat a dessert and not gain 100 pounds. You know what to do to be healthy. You know binging is bad for you. You know that that's not something that supports your health. You know that if you have a fear of diabetes, that binging on sugar is going to get you the exact opposite result. That is what is so difficult and feels insane about having an eating disorder and makes us lose trust in ourselves and has us carry around so much shame and guilt and confusion and anger and feelings of failure because duh, we know that. And what's maddening is to know something and then to see yourself do the exact opposite of what you know. That's one of the biggest reliefs for our clients as they come in even in the first like week or two of like, whoa, I can actually do what I know to do. I can actually make a decision and trust myself to follow through with that. And it's not a battle every day. So I appreciate that like, yes, it's great to be able to eat till you're satisfied and then move on. But the disordered eating part is that you're not able to do that, right? Like that's the frustrating part. So it's, it's a little bit insulting of just like, just keep on doing it till you get the hang of it. Eat until you're satisfied. Like that's all nice for somebody who can feel satisfied with food or somebody who can just sort of like, oh, of course, like I should just eat till I'm satisfied. Like, yes, but one, there's the, you're, you know that, but you're not doing it. And then I wanted to bring up another really important thing is if you are in a pattern of disordered eating where you have taught your body through this habit of thought, through the binge and restrict cycle over and over and over, you're literally teaching your body to turn off your hunger signals, to never be satisfied with food, to never feel full or satiated or like, like satisfied and peaceful. And you are teaching your body to drive up your cravings like crazy. So you just obsess and you just keep on thinking and thinking about food. And so it's not something you can just like, oh, keep going until you get the hang of it. Like you can't listen to something if you can't hear it. So it's sort of like saying to somebody who their, their legs are numb, right? Like, 
just one foot in front of the other, keep on walking until you get the hang of it. Like, even if your legs are fully functional, like your muscles are working and like you could do it, you're not gonna have the same experience. You can't just like, well, I'll just keep walking until I get the hang of it. No, if your legs are numb, if you can't feel what's there, then you can't just, oh, I should have just gotten up out of this chair and you know, gone forth. Like we need to acknowledge that. So it's really important that although in, eating is intuitive, eating is intuitive, we're all born with the ability to do that, but that goes away with disordered eating, not permanently, but the longer that you're in it and the more restrictive dieting and the more that you're in the cycle, the worse and worse that it gets. So telling someone with a bad relationship with food, with disordered eating, to just eat until you're satisfied is, it's a stop there. Like that's, it's a ridiculous thing. Cause this is what happens. It's like, oh, okay. I'm someone with disordered eating. I'm going to eat until I'm satisfied. Okay. Well, this is the amount of food that I think should satisfy me. Uh, a, a yogurt and some granola and, uh, egg and a glass of milk and okay that's plenty of food and i feel hungrier than i did before i might have more cravings than ever okay well i'm not satisfied well i'll keep going till i'm satisfied well here's 10 almonds here's 10 almonds here's 10 almonds here's 10 more almonds well maybe i need some almonds with chocolate here's some almonds with chocolate here's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich i shouldn't have eaten that but i'm still not satisfied here's another one here's another one i'll have another yogurt here's 10 more yogurts i can't believe i feel so physically full but i am not satisfied i am physically in pain from how much i've eaten I intellectually understand that I just binged on thousands of calories, but no, I do not feel satisfied. So this sort of like tip about like, just eat until you're satisfied or eat until you're full, or it doesn't, it doesn't work that way when you've taught your body to never be satisfied, to never feel full, to always have these cravings no matter how much you eat. So that's what ha like what actually works is you have to end that first. You have to stop creating all of these cravings. You have to stop turning, you have to like turn back on your hunger and fullness signals. And then after that, like after you've ended the disordered eating, eating is extremely intuitive. It feels like a magic, magical power um, if you haven't done that in the past, but it really is wonderful to be able to be like, oh, okay, I can eat and feel satisfied, but you can't put it the other way. You can't say I am, you get the disordered eating out of the way and then you can eat until satisfied. You cannot eat until satisfied until your eating disorder goes away because inherent in your eating disorder is you're not able to be satisfied. Does that make sense, you guys? So when the article says like, oh, just like keep going, just eat until you're satisfied, like don't put limits on things. There's a huge fear around doing that. And then when you can't feel that satisfied, like you can't feel satisfied with your food then that that doesn't work. So anyway, they're right about like, it's a sign that you have like bad relationship with food if you're strict about portion control, but their, their tip, like you can do that and just binge and binge and binge and not feel satisfied. Right? So, oh, Jen. Yeah. Love it. So fun to see you on. So Jen is saying, I used to feel that way. I know better. Duh. LOL <laughs> was disappointed in myself. But since this program, I feel like now my brain has truly changed and I figured it out. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. And Jen, it's been so fun to have you in our community and be coaching you. And yeah, isn't it so nice to have that figured out where it's like, you're, 
your brain, your body is so good at doing these things, but you have to like doing these things, meaning intuitive eating. Like I can eat and feel satisfied. I know when I'm hungry, like I know what to eat and when to eat. All those things are very automatic, like breathing, but you've got to get the disordered eating and thinking out of the way first. And then it's really cool and easy, but you've got to do the, get the disordered eating out of the way. You can't like sort of muscle your way through to that. Okay, so number six is you think about food as good or bad. Yep, absolutely. That food morality is something that is definitely an indicator of like, oh, okay, like something is, something is wrong here, right? Again, a lot of these tune into the same important message of that morality around food is something that shows that you have a bad relationship with food. All right, and number seven, you have feelings of guilt around food. And again, when they talk about the like, and how to fix it, their, their tip on this one is, you should, that should never be your mindset. So look at the should there, right? Again, it's just like, duh, like, I know that I shouldn't have guilt around food. I know that I should be able to trust myself. Like, I know that. So acknowledging that that is a truth, right? So this, this article is speaking into, of course, that shouldn't be your mindset. Life would be better if that wasn't your mindset. But just telling yourself, oh, I shouldn't think that way does not actually change the behavior or change the pattern of thought. Um, but the, the feelings of guilt around food, I mean, there's feelings of guilt around a lot of things that stem from that. So, you know, stacking on what this article said, just a couple things for awareness. So yes, there's the guilt around food. Like I ate a thing that I shouldn't have eaten, but then there's a guilt around our identity of either like I'm a healthy person and I'm doing unhealthy things. I'm a smart person and I'm doing stupid things. I am a responsible person. I'm doing irresponsible things. So there's a lot of guilt around that. And then there's a lot of guilt around the, the out of integrity feeling of you've done something that you told yourself that you wouldn't do, right? So not just like, I am this person and I'm doing the opposite and that feels, that feels yuck and that feels, you know, the feeling of guilt and failure and shame and all of that. But then there's the, I told myself this morning or I told myself last night that I would never do this again, now I'm doing it. So I'm glad that the article brought awareness to guilt around food, but I just wanna acknowledge that it's not just guilt around food, it's guilt around so many things that just sort of stack and stack and stem off of that. And yeah, that feeling of guilt, um, shame is a really big feeling, failure is a really big feeling, so yes, absolutely. And number eight, you use exercise to earn food, and that's put in quotes, earn. Um, so yes, this is because this is, indicating that you're in the cycle, right? It's like, I did something wrong, I need to do something to undo it, or I need to do something to earn my food, like my calories. And absolutely a disordered eating thing and something that is so praised by our society of like, people just say casually like, oh, I can have this, I burned it off this morning at the gym, or oh, I can have an extra treat, I'll do a little bit of a longer workout tomorrow. And we're like, oh, you're so healthy. Oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You have willpower. How do you do? It's like this person is saying, I have a disordered eating. And then they're getting praised for it. So just acknowledge that, you guys. Um, so using exercise to earn, earn food. Okay, so then the article goes on to say, but you should never not eat something because you didn't earn it with a workout or schedule an extra workout to burn off something you ate. Again, the article is doing a good job of, duh, like, that is true. Like, that would be 
the indicator of more freedom, of that you are eating something and it's not connected with if you earned it or not. But we want to acknowledge that you can't control how you feel with willpower. So if you're going to eat something and you feel like you're stealing, like I am stealing, I am having more than what I'm supposed to. I am ruining my health. I am going to gain weight by eating this. I cannot have this. Like, it feels like stealing. You haven't paid for it, right? It's like I haven't paid the price of burning the calories to be able to eat the food. So although you might intellectually be like, oh, of course, I shouldn't feel bad for eating this, you can't willpower your way out of how you feel, out of the fear and anxiety. So what's really important is you need to be able to break that pattern of the thought process of the feeling around it. You have to break the pattern of guilt around food. You need to break that pattern of thought and emotion that, oh, I have to earn my food with something because you can intellectually know that. Just like the article says, it's not like everyone's reading this article and waking up to like, oh, you're right, I shouldn't feel like that. It's like, that's not the way that we change our feelings. And so just wanna acknowledge that that's an important piece as well is that you've got to you know, with the disordered eating, of course, I get that out of the way, but that goes along with the disordered, um, like, emotional cycle and the disordered, uh, like, mental cycle as well. All right, number nine, you give weight-based compliments. I'm glad that they brought this one up. This one is really good. Um, I remember being at the gym and bursting into tears one day because I was listening to Brene Brown, I think it was her, The Power of Vulnerability. I believe that's what it was. I've read like everything Brene Brown's ever done, so sometimes it gets mixed, mixed up in my head, but credit is definitely given to Brene Brown. She had a quote from her book that goes something like, we are the hardest on other people in the same way that we are the hardest on ourselves. And there, working out really hard at the gym, trying to burn off and undo the wrongs of last evening when I was binging, I just realized that at the gym that day in my eating disordered crazy days, I knew the body of every single person in that gym. I knew where I ranked in thinness for all the women in the gym that morning. I knew my guest and what I thought was very accurate with what everyone's weights and body fat percentages were. I had judged and criticized in my head. Like, that's what I was doing while I was working out. And I realized with how hard I was, not even externally, but if you like pull back the curtain and look at all the internal stuff that was happening, how hard I was on so many other people and their bodies. Wow, definitely. Yes, Brene Brown. The thing that I am hardest on other people about, I'm definitely hardest on myself. It was just hell obsession in a cage underwater. Like, it's really awful. So I'm glad that this article with this number nine sign, right, of like, you give weight-based compliments. Um, they could also have said, you know, you have weight-based judgments. It's like, what is the important salient topic? in your mind that has so much emphasis. And then that's a pretty good indicator of where, where your focus is for yourself as well. And um, stacking and noting um, on this, this point, can we just, again, like <laughs> put this out there, of commenting on people's weight and commenting on other people's bodies is bad for the world, it's bad for society, it's bad for women. So if you want to uplift 
the world and society and women stop commenting on their bodies. Like stop commenting on their bodies, stop commenting on their weight, stop giving them compliments as they lose weight from, well, maybe it could be that they worked really hard and they made some lifestyle changes. Or you could be complimenting somebody on having an eating disorder that's killing them. You could be complimenting somebody on having cancer, that their, their body is rapidly dropping weight. You could be complimenting somebody on going through extreme grief and not being able to keep weight on their body because they're going through such emotional turmoil. You don't know what's going on there and don't assume because with the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women that we have freed all over the world and men, from this awful cage of an eating disorder. A huge thing that comes up is like, you know, I would get so many compliments when I'd start losing weight. And people would be like, wow, you look so healthy, you look so good. And in my mind, I would just say like, if you only knew, if you only knew what I was doing to myself, how I was hurting myself, and now you're complimenting that. So just on a little soapbox side note there, stop commenting on people's weight. And no, I'm not saying stop judging or commenting on people gaining weight. Yeah, don't do that. But also stop praising the people that you're, you're seeing that are losing weight as well. It's contributing to the problem. So anyway, tell your friends. <laughs> All right. And number 10, you have designated cheat meals or days. Um, so yes, this is an indicator again of that morality of like, I'm on the wagon, I'm off the wagon. This is a day that I'm giving myself permission to do a bad thing, or you've like built that around. Even the word that we use around that, like cheat meals or cheat days, it's like, what are you cheating? Like notice the connotation of just like the, the sliminess or the doing something wrong that comes along with that. So yeah. Exactly. And then the article is saying, in other words, all of the rules you put around food during the week leave you feeling totally out of control when the rules get lifted and you end up feeling much worse than if you just let yourself have what you wanted when you wanted it. All right. So again, the article points to this is the way that it should be, but it isn't really a how to fix it because this is what happens. If you just let yourself have what you want when you want it, when you have disordered eating, then you're binging, essentially. And then that feels really awful and then it goes back into that restrictive cycle. So it is very important to be able to be in a mentality where you can have what you want when you want it. You don't feel morality around it. You don't feel bad around it. But again, that has to come once you've removed the disordered eating. Because having what you want, think about that. Like there's always, it feels like a battle in your mind. Having what you want, well there's one part of you that wants to go to bed. And there's another part of you that wants to finish every single piece of candy that is in the cupboard so that it's out of the house and so you can finally have some relief. So what is the you, right? Like you can probably guess which one is the eating disorder. But with that, telling somebody with disordered eating of just like, oh, just you know, have what you want when you want it without giving them the tools of how to get in touch with who they really are and what their desires are, then what that leads to is that if somebody just does that on their own, like, okay, well, I'll just have what I want when I want it. Like we've had people come to us that have gained 50 pounds rapidly because they have tried in 
without the support of the tools that actually work. They've just sort of tried like willy-nilly on their own of like, I just tried to have whatever I want, what I wanted it. And so they just binged and binged and binged and binged. And now they have like 50 pounds weight gain and diabetes. And it hasn't been good for their health because they were still listening to what their eating disorder wanted, not what they wanted. And nothing is as sustainable as doing what you want. So that's one reason why with what we do, people get such permanent and permanent results and such a relief because it's not a battle in their brain anymore. Like they know what they want and then that desire, they just follow that. So they do eat what they want when they want, but it's what they want and not what their eating disorder wants. So this is a little too much of a simplification here of just like, you should just have what you want when you want it. Because again, if you are in the cycle of disordered eating, then there are gonna be a lot of things that feel like you that are actually the eating disorder that are just gonna lead back and back and back into the cycle. Okay, and then they have some, some like main tips at the end. Um, and let's go over those really quickly because they, they can be good, but <laughs> we need to break these down a little bit. So one thing that the article is saying is talking to a professional is the best way to work through disordered eating habits. So talking to a professional, I would say talking to a good professional that gets results of actually fixing the problem. Because talking to a professional is like talking to a family member. Like it depends on what family member, because there's like your crazy uncle that's going to give you horrible advice that will ruin your life. Or there is like your super caring, you know, mother that, you know, or aunt or whoever that's like going to give you this amazing sage wisdom. So it's not all professionals are created the same. Like we coach a lot of health professionals, a lot of like health professionals, mental health professionals. We coach a lot of, um, you know, fitness people, health people, psychologists, like these are all professionals that have their own eating disorders. And that's why they come to us. So going to a professional, I'll put that in quotes, is not all created equal because some professionals have an eating disorder. They have no idea how to get out of it or they would have done it themselves. And they're just gonna regurgitate the advice that has been given to them through the education that they got that is super outdated, that is, has nothing to do with fixing the problem because they don't have their own experience, right? You're also gonna have the professionals that are going to tell you to do things that actually make it worse. So a lot of people will go to like a nutritionist, that nutritionist will put them on a restrictive meal plan and then it'll actually make and exacerbate the eating disorder. People might go to like a health professional, um, for instance, like a doctor. Doctors have zero, zero training in nutrition. And in health professionals, doctors, nurses, there's a huge rate of disordered eating, obesity, like, and so what they're gonna tell you is literally like, a lot of times what's gonna make their office an extra buck of just like, oh yeah, this is what you should do. I am a professional, I have a doctor's coat on, I have zero training in nutrition, but please get the pamphlet on the way out the door and you can do our super restrictive, like dangerous, like uh, restrict calories, inject the stuff into yourself, like, or these pills or these prepackaged meals that are majorly unhealthy, but people come to professionals like doctors for things like weight loss, which they're not trained on, and then they get something that is weight loss because that's like the market, right? And that doesn't mean that it's healthy or good advice. So what you wanna do is you wanna have a professional, and in our, um, 
in our masterclass with the five elements to end binge eating. If you guys haven't seen that, you can go to, to lifewithlydia.com and you can see a playback of the free masterclass. But the, the fifth um, element of ending binge eating is talking about like how you want to get good help to do this, right? Because not all professionals are created the same. You want somebody who actually has results that doesn't just have like an education of like, here's what I paid for and worked to get my degree and set in a textbook. Like you can go and read that textbook yourself. Like you don't want somebody with just like book knowledge. You want somebody with results. You want a professional that actually has people coming in with disordered eating and leaving without disordered eating. Like that is super important. So somebody with results, you also want a professional that doesn't have an eating disorder themselves. And I know there's this idea of like, yes, but I got into helping people with eating disorders because I have an eating disorder and I thought by helping others, it might help me. Like I, I applaud the heart of wanting to reach out and help people, but you've got to put your own max, oxygen mask on first. Like this is a big issue in the eating disorder industry of people getting into it because they actively have their own eating disorders. And so they're like doing it as self-help for them. But then it's just like this pollution of like, I have an eating disorder, I don't know how to fix it, but come on, let's fix it together. And then everyone just has an eating disorder together and never gets better. You can ask you guys, you can ask point blank, what is your relationship with food like? And hopefully somebody would tell you the truth. But it's something where you want to really have somebody that doesn't have the same problem themselves, right? Like have somebody that's put on their own oxygen mask. And again, like there's this idea of like, oh, but like a doctor, a, a cancer doctor that has cancer, like that doesn't keep you from, keep them from helping somebody else with cancer. But that's sort of a mentality that sometimes people have. But understand like cancer is not like, that's something where, sure, if the doctor has people coming in with cancer and leaving without cancer, okay, well, then that would be one thing, right? Another piece of evidence. But cancer isn't something where it's like, I have no idea, you know, how to fix this. Um, it's like there's a specific treatment that has been studied and sh like the results of that, right? And somebody doesn't uh, give themselves, well, that's debatable, right? Because sometimes we can do things like disordered eating that is pushing up our likelihood to have cancer. But the point is, is that this is a different thing. It's like, this is something where if somebody doesn't know for themselves how to fix this, then what is the likelihood that they're gonna know how to fix it for you, right? So that's one thing to look at, especially with food stuff. So that's one thing of like, when they say in this article, you know, talking to a professional is the best way to work through this. Like I, in general, yes, that's gonna be good, but you want to really have a good professional. And we have heard like horror stories and it's not uncommon, which is a sadness, but we have had clients come to us that were so scared to get our coaching because of their past experience of like, like health coaches that their strategy was shaming them of just like you, you cheated and you're, you're horrible and like you're totally out of integrity, just like shaming their clients. Just for the record, shame is the most horrible way to promote change. Like go and talk to any parents that have shamed their children growing up and see how aligned those children are with the values that their parents were teaching them. Just go and see that. Like shame does the opposite of working, okay? So if you have a 
a professional, I'll put that in quotes, that you're working with that is using shame as any part of what they do, like run. Like that is not effective. It does not work. Like that does not promote change. It does the opposite. And then we've just seen so many people again with disordered eating themselves and then like these, you know, like nutritionists that have put people on really like extreme food plans on just very restrictive. And yes, if the person that they, that they're, if they took their client and they put them on a restrictive eating plan and that person stuck to the restrictive eating plan, then they would probably have a result of maybe some change physiologically. But the point is, is that if you don't stick to that plan, then it doesn't help you. And if that plan is actually making more of a restriction cycle where you're binging more now that you have a restrictive plan, you can't think of the solution in terms of the theory of what should work if you do it. You've got to think in terms of what does work and what is doable that people are actually doing so they get the results. That's why everything that we do is based off of the data of what actually works, of what actually gets people free, of a predictable system that has worked over and over and over and over. So that's a really important thing. And then um, the last tip that they give is the difference between, in this article, the difference between a healthy approach to food and a disordered one is flexibility. And this is actually a good principle. This is a good indicator of like, oh, okay, like I have that flexibility. Like I can eat something on a special occasion or I can go out to eat and have something that I want or, you know, like the morality is gone. The morality is very much of that black and white thinking. And so like the flexibility is a really great thing. But again, what the article does is that it's doing a good job of describing the problem better than it has been. Like I really want to applaud this, this Huffington Post article that they're describing the problem better than it has been in the past. They're bringing awareness to what actually happens with a bad relationship with food. They're bringing awareness to the morality around that, that we have a society that really praises and uplifts like that disordered morality around food. Um, so it's doing a, a much better job than we used to do in the past of explaining the problem. But the article is still very out of touch with the solution and how to actually get us there. What they're framing as a solution is sort of, uh, this is the way that it should be, right? So this is what's wrong. And this is like, you have a bad relationship with food if this is happening. And this is the way that it should be. But it's not talking about like, oh, okay, well, how do we do that? Because it's like, oh, okay, well, if we could just, you know, turn a switch and be like, oh, you're right. That is the way that it should be. I'll just be that way. If that worked, then awesome. But that's just not the way that it works. Um, and one difficult thing about that is that although they have some good awareness here, framing that of like, this is the way that it should be, and this is what the disordered eating is like, once you know that, the more you know about the way that it should be, the more you know about how intuitive eating should work, the more that you know about the science behind the brain, the more that you know about nutrition, it actually feels worse and worse, and you feel more and more messed up when you, when you know intellectually like, oh, I need to be flexible with food, but then so much within you is fighting against that and you can't be flexible with food. That's where the feelings of failure come in of like, I know so much of how it should be. I'm not doing it and it feels awful. Um, and that's those feelings of failure and shame and guilt. And so just some good stuff in this article, but that's where they got it right. That's where they got it wrong. Um, it's really fun to review these things with you guys. If you have other articles that you want us to review, 
I know. It seems like you guys are are down with that. So feel free to, um, in the comments below, post a link to an article if you want us to be able to um, look at it and see, like, with the reality of what works, be able to hold those principles up against what the article is saying, the good, the bad, um, all of that jazz, and that's great. And we can absolutely look at that. And just, you know, the, the last thing I wanted to give you guys is there's so much information out there. The world is doing better at understanding the problem, I would rather say the experience, right? The experience of what it's like to have disordered eating, but the solution is still not mainstream. Conventional wisdom still actually makes the problem worse. So if you are ready to really fix this once and for all, if you wanna fix your relationship with food before all of society comes around to understanding what this is, like if you just wanna be able to have this done with so you can be a normal eater, get the disordered eating and thinking out of the way, be able to get back to that wonderful, intuitive, like normal, peaceful relationship with food because you've gotten the disordered eating out of the way, then the very first step of what actually works is you wanna book a free breakthrough session. So that breakthrough session is where we get the foundation of freedom and then we build from there. So that foundation of freedom is we're gonna look at the cycle that's happening with food right now and how it's impacting you. And then we're gonna look at really what you want on the other side of this and we're gonna talk about how to close that gap. And so that's the foundation of freedom, sort of like a GPS, like you've gotta have your coordinates and then we talk about like how to get there um, and that's really the foundation where everything starts. So like Jen was saying, like, you know, I, her brain has truly changed and she's figured it out. Like, yes, congratulations, Jen. And Jen is one of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who are now free from this. And she started the same way. So it's like everyone that you're seeing with their freedom and our freedom stories and all of our, you know, incredible, you know, posts that our grads uh, like posts, like they all started with that breakthrough session. And so to book a free session, pop over to lydialifestyle.com slash session. That's lydialifestyle.com slash session. You're going to have a calendar page open up there. Snag just the first spot that is available that'll work on your calendar. Guard that time, like show up for you, give yourself that gift, and we will guide you through that foundation of freedom with love and without shame and with what actually works. Thanks for tuning in. If you felt a spark here and want to see how these principles can work in your own life, here is your next step pop over to lydialifestyle.com slash session. That's lydialifestyle.com slash session, where you can book a free session with our team. We'll give you a call and together find clarity on three things. One, the exact cycle you keep getting sucked into. Two, what isn't working with your approach. And three, what's missing to close the gap between food prison and food freedom. We have helped free hundreds of women all over the world from their food struggles. These are proven principles that work, no matter how long you've been stuck. This is Lydia, the Lifestyle Coach, signing off. Mwah!